Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. All right, if you would turn your Bibles with me to to Genesis chapter 24. Genesis chapter 24. We're continuing on looking at the life of Abraham. And uh, this one is a little bit different. Um, As we've looked at Abraham's life, um, you know, we've had the focus has been on Abraham and it's been on his life. And yet this chapter is a little bit different. It's actually the whole chapter is not about Abraham. It's not really even about Isaac. It's about the servant that Abraham sends. Uh, And maybe that's something that maybe we can relate to. We're not some great biblical character uh, of some big name that everybody's going to remember. But no, we're we're like that servant. (laughs) We're like that that servant. And so maybe maybe in a way we can relate to this uh, as that unnamed servant. Um, But here we see uh, also a transition. Um, we see in the last week what we looked at in chapter 23, we have Sarah dies. And in the next chapter, in chapter 25, uh, what we're going to see is Abraham dies. And so right in between those two, we see something that's very important. Uh, We see something that tells us that God is still going to be faithful to His promises. Uh, God is going to be faithful to His promises. Sarah's life has come to an end. Abraham's life is about to come to an end. And, and we know that the promise is there's going to be a seed. There's going to be a, an offspring. There's going to be a descendant of Eve. One who's going to come and crush the serpent's head. We know this is going to be the one that came from Abraham and Sarah's line. And yet at this point in the narrative... Isaac is still single. And so between the death of Sarah and the death of Abraham, we see this story that that ensures and that uh, encourages us that God is going to be faithful to His promises. Abraham and Sarah, they die and they pass off the scene, but God is going to be faithful to His promise that there will be a seed of the woman, that there will be continuing of the, of the generations of Abraham until one day we see Jesus come out of Bethlehem, grow up in Nazareth, and go to the cross for our sins. I think that's where this fits in the overall narrative of the Bible. Um, that God is faithful to that promise to Abraham. Also, this text is also different because it is the longest passage in all of the narrative about Abraham. It is 67 verses long. So I'm going to treat it a little bit differently than I've done other verses, other things. Normally, I read the entire text and then I go back and I treat it a piece at a time. Tonight, what we're going to do is I'm going to read the first section of the text and we're going to go look at that. And then we're going to read the next section of the text, and we're going to go look at that. So uh, this is not my normal way, but I'm just kind of giving you up front 
kind of what to expect. So let's go ahead and begin. We'll read the text beginning in verse 1 of chapter 24. Now Abraham was old, well advanced in years. And the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, who had charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh that I may make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I dwell, but will go to my country and to my kindred and take a wife for my son Isaac. The servant said to him, Perhaps the woman may not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I then take your son back to the land which you came? Abraham said to him, See to it that you do not take my son back there. The Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, who spoke to me and swore to me, to your offspring I will give this land, he will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. But if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be free from this oath of mine. Only you must not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you that you have been faithful to your promise. We thank you, Lord, that working in the lives of Abraham and Sarah and in Isaac, Lord, you fulfilled your promise of a seed who would come and crush Satan's head for all of our sake. Father, we pray that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see tonight. We thank you, Lord, that you have called us to yourself. And Lord, I pray that you give me strength as I preach your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, just kind of stepping back and looking at this whole narrative, we find in the beginning, Abraham tells his servant, which we've just covered, Abraham tells his servant to go and find a wife for Isaac. And then we see the in the next section, we see the servant leaving and going off uh, into to the land where Abraham had come from originally to go find a wife. And he gets there, he prays, and we're, I'm kind of giving you a preview. He prays, Lord, you know, I can't do this. <laughs> if if uh, I'm going to find the right woman for Isaac, then you've got to give me a sign. And he says, if you... Uh, I, if you, you know, if I ask this woman for a drink of water and she says, let me also water your camels, then I'll know that's the woman. And as soon as he opens his eyes from praying, or before he even finishes saying it out of his mouth, here Rebecca comes. And she, he asks her for a drink. She says, well, yes, and let me water your camels also. And it's like, whoa. Uh, God, God, God couldn't have made it any more clear. This is the woman for Isaac, and so um, she, he uh, he gives her a ring, a ring for her nose, which seems kind of strange. Maybe 
Maybe not. <laughs> he gives her a ring for her nose and he gives her bracelets for her arms and she goes back and she tells her mom and her brother what's happened. She takes the, the man with them and uh, they, they, they spend the night there and the next morning she goes back off with this strange man who she just met to go meet another strange man that she's never met and marry. That's the story in a nutshell. There's a lot of repetition here in this chapter because we see Abraham's servant. We don't know his name, but Abraham's servant, he, he, he relates, the narrator relates the story about what's, what's going to happen and then he goes and he tells the whole thing again to Laban. So we kind of see this repetition of these details, making it absolutely clear, yes, this is the right one. This is the one who is going to carry the seed of the woman. Um, and then, let's go ahead and look at verse 1. When Abraham was old, well advanced in years, the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. Notice here, it says, the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. In all things. Well, those three areas of blessing we've been talking about, land, seed, and blessing. God had given uh, Abraham a blessing with Materially, He had blessed him with a household that had uh, probably hundreds of men involved in it, not to mention uh, women and children that were a part of his household, um, an army of his own. Uh, he had blessed him uh, and he'd given him land, he had given him seed. He had given him Isaac, who we've been, uh, been waiting for. And so he, he had blessed him in all things. And he had blessed him by giving him land. We saw in the last chapter, he finally was able to possess a little bit of land. The cemetery for Sarah. Uh, the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things, and and Abraham he's concerned. Maybe uh, parents who have children who are getting a little bit older, they're not married yet. You might get concerned. You're like, oh, why don't you start? Well, you, you know, might try to do a little bit of matchmaking or something like that, like Abraham's doing. Well, that's not exactly what it's doing. This is a different culture than our own, but. Um, Abraham is concerned. He wants to know that the line is going to preserve, be preserved. He wants to know that God is going to be faithful to give him grandchildren and great-grandchildren and so on and so forth. Um, and so he says to his servant, and this is not just any servant, the oldest of his household who had charge of all that he had. Okay, So we know Abraham had this big household and, we, and maybe you can guess what this... It doesn't tell us what the, the servant's name is, but maybe you might get, be able to guess what the servant's name, name is. We don't know. We don't know for sure. But maybe there's a guess. Abraham earlier, whenever he was praying to God about, uh, about when the seed would finally be born, when Isaac would finally be born, a child to Sarah, um, Abraham told God, the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus, a servant. And so maybe this is Eliezer of Damascus. We don't know for sure. Uh, but at that time, uh, Abraham had already said, this is the heir of my house. If, Abraham, if Isaac had never been born, that's who would have been the heir. It tells us here in this text that uh, this was the oldest one. So maybe it was the firstborn of his household. And uh, he had charge of everything that Abraham had. Um, he makes him swear. And, you know, this sounds 
strange to us. This is not a way that our culture does things. You know, we, we put things on paper. Uh, if we're making an oath, so maybe uh, in, a, in a court of law, you might place your hand on the Bible. But here, Abraham has his servant place his hand under his thigh. That's strange, but that must have been the way that, uh, that, they, that oaths were taken back then. It, it had some kind of significance there. So place your hand under my thigh that I may make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites of whom I dwell. A couple of things here. First of all, the Canaanites. Who were the Canaanites? They were the children who were descendants of Cain. Canaan. Canaan. And we think back to the story of Noah. Noah, after his son dishonored him, Ham, his son dishonored him, Noah put a curse upon Canaan, the son of of, uh, Ham. And so, in in Abraham's eyes, and in the eyes of Moses who was writing this down, um, the Canaanites were a cursed people. They were not the ones through whom the promise would come. And so Abraham, he's very, very clear to his servant, don't let my son marry a Canaanite. Uh, his people, were, his, his household, his, his line was to be distinct from the Canaanites who were cursed. And, it, and then he says also, among whom I dwell. Reminding us again, Abraham was a sojourner among the Canaanites. He, he did possess that little land, that, that, that uh, uh, cemetery, that grave plot that he had had in the last chapter. But still, Abraham continued to live as a sojourner and as a foreigner among the Canaanites. But Abraham says, but will go to my country and to my kindred and take a wife for my son Isaac. Uh, Abraham had been, before God called him, before God called him, he had dwelled in Haran. Uh, his father, Terah, had, had left um, um, Ur of the Chaldees and gone to Haran. And that's where Abraham's family was. Um, Abraham left whenever God called him. So we have this reminder of that fact. And um, and God uh, and Abraham tells his servant, "Go back to my family, go back to my kindred, and find a wife among my kinsmen, not among the Canaanites, but among this people, because that's the line from whom the promise is going to come." And the servant, he's a little bit leery about this idea, wouldn't we? <laughs> what if the servant says, perhaps? the woman may not be willing to follow me into this land. Must I then take your son back from the land to the land from which you came? This seems reasonable, doesn't it? He goes and he finds a woman for Isaac, and he's already been told she's not supposed to marry any Canaanite. She's gotta, he's got he's to go back and marry one of the people from his own uh, kinsmen. So if she won't come to him, then maybe Isaac should go to her. But, Isaac, but Abraham responds, no, 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 no. Don't take my son back there. Because why? He says, the Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and, and from the land of my kindred, 
He spoke and swore to me that my offspring, that, you know, to your offspring, I will give this land. He's saying, don't take my son there because he's been promised. My offspring, my children have been promised they're going to have this land, the land of Canaan, this, this fair and happy land, right? We sing about uh, in um, I'm Bound for the Promised Land. So, Abraham then says, if the woman's not willing to follow you, then you'll be free from the oath. And, they, and he swears. Now let's look at the next passage, verse 10. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed, taking all sorts of choice gifts from his master. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor, and he made the camels kneel down outside the city by the well of water at the time of evening, the time when women go out to draw water. And he said, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. Behold, I'm standing by the spring of water and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Let the young woman to whom I shall say, please let down your jar that I may drink and who, and, uh, who shall say, drink and I will water your camels. Let her be the one whom you've appointed for your servant Isaac. By this, I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master." We, we have an example here of a, of a squishing of time, don't we? I mean, it seems like he was gone and then immediately he's right there in, uh, in, uh, in Haran where he's looking for, in Mesopotamia, where he's looking for um, um, Abraham's family. Um, the research I did said that uh, it would take a man probably 21 days traveling by himself to go that distance. But he had 10 camels, and we'll see also uh, that he had some men traveling with him. So this is, would have taken a minimum of, of at least 21 days and probably longer than that to get there. So you can imagine these, tire, these camels are thirsty, aren't they? Traveling all that distance, finally coming to, to the, the well. Um, And he sits them there by the well, and he doesn't draw any water for him yet, because he's got a plan in mind. He's got a plan in mind, and he's going to uh, determine who the right woman is for Isaac by this plan that he's asked God to fulfill. He prays. Um, you know, the, that is commendable. Uh, I'm not, I, I don't want to. I don't want to lift up just uh, this servant as an example that we should follow in some sort of legalistic sense. But it is commendable that when we need to make a decision, just like this man needed to make a decision, that we should pray and ask God for His help in making those decisions. And He said, "Let this. Let the young woman do whom I um, sit." Well, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna repeat that again. So let's see what happens. Verse 15. Before he had finished speaking, well, that was quick. Before he had finished speaking, behold, Rebekah, who was the firstborn to Bethuel, son of Mil Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with a water jar on her shoulder. The young woman was very attractive in appearance, a maiden whom had known no man. 
She went down to the spring and filled her, her jar and came up. Then the servant ran to meet her and said, Please, give me a little water to drink from your jar. She said, Drink, my lord. And she quickly laid down her jar and her, uh, upon her hand and gave him a drink. When she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they finish drinking. So quickly, so she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran again to the well to draw water. And she drew for all his camels. The man gazed at, in her in silence to learn whether the Lord had prospered his journey or not. Is this a coincidence? I think not. <laughs> it's no coincidence. First of all, let's consider this fact. It, it's been said that a camel can drink 15 gallons of water in 10 minutes. How many camels did the man have, the servant have? 10 camels. So this was no small task. This was no small task. Here, he, he had traveled all this distance, a journey of maybe a month's journey. He, he finally gets there, and um, the camels are nice and thirsty, and they can drink 15 gallons in 10 minutes. Um, notice these things that the text points out. She says, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. She's not just giving them a little bit of water. She's, she says, until they've finished drinking. And then also, at the end of verse 20, it says, she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran again to the well to draw uh, to draw water. So she was going back and forth. Who knows what size, you know, maybe uh, we can imagine carrying a five-gallon bucket, okay? This, this woman is not just, you know, she's got some kind of a clay pot, not a five-gallon bucket that we, th we can think of, carrying water back and forth from the well to the trough. Who knows how long, this was a massive task. So it's not some kind of a coincidence that by hospitality, the servant would get there and, and ask for a drink, and the woman would just say, oh yeah, let me water your camels too. That's not something that's going to happen by coincidence. No, God had chosen this woman to, to do this, and he had, he had put in the servant's mind what to pray, and, and it happened. She was, you could tell she must have been a hard worker. To be able to do that. And the man, verse 21 says, the servant of Abraham gazed at her in silence. He was awestruck. He was, uh, he couldn't believe it. Here he had just prayed, God, if, if, the, if the woman, if you're going to grant success to my journey, to my task, then let the woman come and I ask her for a drink. And she'll say, oh yeah, I'll water all your camels. And it happens immediately. Before he even said it out of his mouth, she comes. And he was just gazing in astonishment. Verse 22. When the camels had finished drinking, he, he, he determined this is the one. When the camels had finished drinking, the man took a gold ring weighing a half a shekel and two bracelets for her arms weighing 10 gold shekels. 
He had a lavish gift for her. And said, please, tell me, whose daughter are you? Abraham had told him, go find someone of my kinsmen. And so he asked, whose daughter are you? You wouldn't happen to know my family, would you? (laughs) Whose daughter are you? And um, she says, or is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? He, he says us there, probably including the men that were with him and the camels and everything. Um, so she said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, from whom she, uh, whom she bore to Nahor. Nahor, which happened to be Abraham's brother. We look back to chapter 22, Verse 20 of chapter 22 says, Now after these things it was told to Abraham, Behold, Milcah has also borne children to your brother Nahor. And it lists these names. And it says, And Bethuel, Bethuel fathered Rebekah. Abraham found, or the, the servant found exactly who Abraham had told him to go look for. And this was no coincidence. Um, verse 25. She added, We have plenty of straw and fodder and room to spend the night. The man bowed his head and worshipped the Lord. That's also how we should respond. When we, when we have a need, what should we do but Pray. Pray, And when God answers it in some amazing way that we would never expect, what should our response be? To worship. And that's what the servant does here. The man bowed his head and worshiped the Lord. He said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his steadfast love of my master's... Oh, wait. Steadfast love and his faithfulness towards my master. This is another repetition here. Because we see when he prays before, he says at the end of verse 14, by this I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. That's the way he prays. And, and you know, when we pray, we ought to pray that way too. We pray on the basis of God's attributes. God's attributes, His steadfast love is part of who He is. And when we pray, we should pray on the basis of the attributes that we, we, we pray you know, for the sake of your attribute, for the sake of your steadfast love, would you, would you answer this prayer of mine? And we should pray in accordance with His will. As well. The servant was doing so, and as his prayer was answered, he pointed out exactly the same thing that he had, he had said in his prayer. Blessed be the Lord, the God of my Father, who has not forsaken his steadfast love, his faithful covenantal love for Abraham, and his faithfulness toward my master. Loving kindness and faithfulness. He was faithful. He kept his promises to my master. 
As for me, the Lord has led me in the way to the house of my master's kinsman. He acknowledges it's the Lord who's done this. He has led me all the way. Then the young woman ran and told her mother's household about these things. Verse 29. Next section. Rebecca had a brother whose name was Laban. Laban ran out towards the man to the spring. As soon as he saw the ring and bracelets on his sister's arms, and he heard the words of Rebekah, his sister, thus the man spoke to me, he went to the man. Notice something. Do you think, do you think that Laban had in his mind, you know what? This must be the promise that Abraham was talking about. We get to be included in the promise that Abraham was, was talking about, about a promise of, of a descendant that would come and crush the serpent's head. No, that's probably not what, Abraham, or what Laban was thinking. Notice, it says, as soon as he saw the ring and bracelets on his sister's arms. See, Laban probably ran out to see the servant because he wanted to know what was in it for him. Right? He, 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 was, he saw, and we know that's something about Laban's character because we see it in the story of Jacob. And he, or Jacob. Because Jacob, whenever he goes away, running from his brother Esau, he goes and he settles with Laban, the same man. And Laban, what's he do? He's tricky. He's tricky. He promises Jacob, work for me for seven years and you can have my daughter Rachel. He ends up marrying Leah. Work another seven years and you can have Leah or have, have Rachel. Laban's a trickster. So we, we shouldn't be surprised when we see here this detail in the text. As soon as he saw the ring and bracelets on his sister's arms, he came out, he ran out to see because he wanted the money. And he heard the words of Rebekah, his sister, thus spoke the man. And he went to the man, and behold, he was standing by the camels at the spring. He said, come on in, O blessed of the Lord. Why do you stand outside? For I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. So the, camel, so the man came to the house and unharnessed the camels and gave, a, gave straw and fodder to the camels. And there was water to wash his feet on the feet of the men who were with him. Then food was set on the table to eat. But he said, I will not eat until I've said what I have to say. He said, speak on. So here we see Laban, whether whatever his motivations were, he was probably motivated by the gold rings and things that were on her arms. But whatever his motivation were, was, he showed lavish hospitality to this man. But the servant had no time for that. He, didn't, he, he, was, he, he, he was brought all kinds of food and things, but he wanted to get down to business. Instead, he says, I'm not going to eat until I've said what I've got to say. So Laban tells him, go ahead and speak. So he said, I'm Abraham's servant. And the Lord has greatly blessed my master and he's become great. So here we see this repetition again. The narrator has already told us what's take, what, what took place and now the servant is telling the same story we've already heard. Let's go over it again. 
The Lord's greatly blessed my master and he's become great. He's given him flocks and herds and silver and gold, male servants and female servants, camels and donkeys. And you can just see Laban's eyes just begin to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And Sarah, my, wife's, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when he was old. And to him he has given him all that he has. Let's step back for a minute there too. This servant, this servant that goes on this journey to get a wife for Abraham, we already know he's the oldest of his household, of Abraham's household, that he had charge of all that Abraham had. Maybe he was Eliezer of Damascus that was his heir before Isaac was born. You know, Abraham was really old. What would it have taken maybe for this man to, you know, conveniently knock off Abraham and conveniently get rid of Isaac so that he could have everything for himself? But he didn't do this. This servant could have been the one who was going to have all this stuff if he could just get Isaac out of the way. Instead, he follows through on this, um, this plan that Abraham has. So he tells Laban, my, and, and Sarah, my, wife's, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when he was old to give him, to him he's given all that he has. My master made me swear saying, do not take a wife from the sons of the, and the, for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I dwell, but you shall go to my father's house and to, clan, and to my clan and take a wife for my son. I said to my master, perhaps the woman will not follow me. But he said to me, the Lord before whom I have walked will send his angel with you and prosper your way. And you shall take a wife for my son from the clan and from, the, from my clan and from my father's house, you will be free from my, then you will be free from my oath when you come to my clan. And if they, do, and if they will not give you to her, will you, you will be free from my oath. Another thing to consider here. Abraham lived in a time of patriarchy, right? Patriarch, where the father was the one that was in charge of the of the household, and that really that word really has a bad taste in our culture today. We don't like the word patriarchy. In fact, uh, a lot of times, um, you know, women uh, feminists um, are are down on the patriarchy. They see it as, a, as some kind of oppressive system. But notice something. The concern this servant had was, what if the woman doesn't want to come? He was concerned about that. Maybe she wouldn't want to come. There, she had some choice in the matter about whether or not. So it wasn't as if Rebecca was being treated as some kind of property, as some would say, oh, the Bible is just a patriarchal book where women, women were treated as property. Abraham had his moments. We know about Hagar. We know about, about how he had Sarah um, um, tell Pharaoh and Abimelech that she, she was his sister. But at the same time, Rebekah had the freedom to choose whether or not to follow and marry Isaac. Um, 
Verse 42. I came, so here is um, the servants relaying the story. He came to the spring and said, O Lord, the God of my master Abraham, if now you are prospering the way that I go, behold, I'm standing by the spring of water. Let the virgin who comes out to draw water, to whom I shall say, please give me a little water from your jar to drink. And she will say to me, drink and I will draw for your camels also. Let her be the woman that the Lord has appointed for my master's son. The only thing I want want to point out here, it's not really related to the overall point of this text, but something that, that I think is useful for us to know. This word here, virgin. Let the virgin who comes out to draw water. And we see earlier in whenever he actually makes the prayer, the text says, let the young woman whom I, uh, to whom I shall say, please let your jar, uh, let down your jar that I may drink. There's another place where the, these words are used in the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 7. Behold a young woman, or behold a virgin shall be with child, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. Now liberal scholars will look at that and will say, well, the word there doesn't really mean virgin. It means a young woman of marriageable age. But what we see here in this text is that that clear distinction is not necessarily made. Both words are used here in this text. The word for young woman of marriageable age and the word for virgin. And they're used interchangeably. He's relating the exact same story. So when the liberals point to that text in Isaiah chapter 7 and say, well, he didn't really say virgin. It was just that the early church was reinterpreting that to fit with the, the story of Christ. That doesn't really, that doesn't really fit. Because those two words are used interchangeably. They're not, they're not, there's not a hard and fast distinction between them. That's, that's maybe a little bit extra. It's a little bit off of our topic. Verse 50, uh, 45. Behold, I had fit, before I had finished speaking, speaking, uh, can't. Behold, before I had finished speaking in my heart, behold, Rebecca came out with her water jar on her shoulder and she went down to the spring to draw water. And I said to her, please, let me drink. She quickly let down her jar from her shoulder and said, drink and I will give your camels, uh, let your camels, give your camels drink also. So I drank and she gave the camels drink also. Then I asked her, whose daughter are you? She said, the daughter of Bethuel. Nahor's son, whom I, whom Milcah bore to her, to him. So I put a ring on her nose and the bracelets on her arms. Then Milcah bore to him. Oh, I'm sorry. Then I bowed my head and worshipped the Lord and blessed the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who had led me by the right way to take the daughter of my master's kinsman for his son. Now then. If you're going to show steadfast love and faithfulness to my master, tell me. And if not, let and tell me that I may return, that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. He's using these same words again. He he says, God 
has shown steadfast love and faithfulness to Abraham in letting his journey success. Now he's saying, if you, that is Rebecca's family, Rebecca's brother Laban and her mother, if you will show steadfast love and faithfulness to my master, if you will be faithful to Abraham, then let me know. Because he wanted to get home. Verse 50, Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing has come from the Lord. We cannot speak to you, bad or good. Behold, Rebekah is before you. Take her and go and let her be the wife of your master's son, as the Lord has spoken. After telling this story, they understood this could be no coincidence. They said, this thing has come from the Lord. They knew that the Lord had had this uh, had appointed this to happen and initially we haven't got quite got through it all but initially they say yeah go take her verse 52 when abraham's servant heard their words he bowed down to the earth before the Lord. And the, and the servant brought out jewelry of silver and gold and garments and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave to her brother. Laban's getting what he wanted, isn't he? He gave to her brother and to her mother costly ornaments. And he and the men who were with him ate and drank and they spent the night there. When they rose early in the morning, he said, Send me away to my master. Okay, he's mission accomplished. He, he gave a dowry for her. He wakes up early the next morning. He's ready to go. He wants to get home. He, and he knows it's going to be a long journey. He's ready to get going. Um, let me go back to my master. Her brother and her mother said, let the young woman remain with us a while, at least 10 days. After that, she may go. What do you think they're thinking? Maybe each day that they stay, we can get a little bit more out of this servant. (laughs) So, the servant says, do not delay me since the Lord has prospered my way. Probably the servant's thinking, I don't want them to change their minds. Let the uh, see. Send me away that I may go to my master. And they said, "Let us call on the young woman and ask her." Again, Rachel's will is considered. They're they're not just treating her like property, but they come and they ask her what she wants to do. And they called Rebecca and said to her, "Will you go with this man?" And she said, "I'll go." So they sent away Rebecca, their sister, and her nurse. She has someone that comes with her. And Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebecca and said to her, This is significant what they say. Our sister, may you become thousands of ten thousands. Recalling back to the promise that God made to Abraham. 
Abraham was promised that he would have descendants as many as the stars of the sky and of the sands of the seashore. And as Rebekah's family was sending her off, what they said was in accordance with God's blessing to Abraham. Our sister, may you become thousands of ten thousands. And may your offspring, that word so important when we're going through Genesis, may your offspring, may your seed, possess the gate of him who, those who hate him. There's a messianic significance there. May your offspring, not just her descendants, but that one offspring, that one way on down the line, would possess the gates of those who hate Him. Would possess the gates of His enemies. Then Rebekah and her young women arose and rode on the camels and followed the man. Thus, they took, thus the servant took Rebekah and went his way. Now we have a change of scene. We don't get all the details for the whole travel and all the way. We, 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 we're, we're squished in our time again and it comes right back around and they arrive at where Isaac is at. Verse 62. Now Isaac had returned from beer. Yeah. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, <laughs> you, might, you remember from, from old TV shows. Um, now Isaac had returned from beer Lahai Roy and was dwelling in the Negev. That may not seem too significant, but Haran would be way northeast of the Promised Land. And the Negev, the Negev is the south. So it's down in the the furthest south. So there was a long distance they had to travel. Isaac was uh, dwelling in the Negev, And Isaac went out to meditate in the field towards evening. He's not expecting anything. It's just a day like any other. He doesn't know that this is going to be the day that he has what some might call love at first sight, right? (laughs) He went out to meditate in the field toward evening and he lifted up his eyes and he saw and behold, there were camels coming. Oh, build up the expectation there. And Rebecca, she lifted up her eyes. And when she saw Isaac, she dismounted the camel. Literally, it says she fell off the camel. And she said to the servant, Who is that man? You can, you can almost sense it, you know. There's some kind of romance going on already. From a distance, they see each other and they're starstruck, starstruck. Walking in the who is that man walking in the field to meet us? And uh, the servant said, It's my master. So she took her veil and covered herself. Like a bride, covering herself with her veil. And the servant told Isaac. All the things that he'd done. He relays the story. Aren't you glad that this time he doesn't let us hear it all? <laughs> this time he, he just says, he relayed everything that had happened to Isaac. Then Isaac brought her to the tent for, of Sarah, his mother, and took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. It's a long text. 
a complicated story. But from the very beginning, what I said, I, I, I believe, are the things we need to get from this. God was faithful to His promise. Abraham and Sarah had reached the end of their days. They died. And yet, the wife for Isaac shows that there is a continuation of the story. That the seed that was born to Abraham would continue with another generation. And we would see Jacob. We would see the twelve tribes of Israel. We would see the rise of Judah as the one that would be the king. And we would see, eventually, Jesus. We can see here that God is faithful, that God answers prayer, and that He is worthy of worship when He answers our prayers. In our own lives, let us remember that He is faithful to us as well. And when He answers our prayers, and even whenever we pray things and we don't get what we're asking for, He's worthy of worship. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.